Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to e-commerce conversations, a podcast by practical e-commerce. What's going on, Internet? Eric Banholtz here, back again with another amazing e-commerce conversation. Got Jonathan Ruggiero on the other end. He is the founder of Manly Bands. Uh, they make wedding rings. What's up, man? Hey, man. What's going on? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a couple of years. It's great to, uh, to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we met originally in e-commerce fuel, like many of the guests who have been on the show. A great community that Andrew Udarian's built. And Jonathan swung by the Beard Brand office a number of years ago. It felt like it was yesterday, but in hindsight, it's been a couple of years. And then I pulled up your website the other week. I don't Oh, because we were having a conversation in our private community about wedding bands. And I was like, oh, yeah, my buddy Jonathan's got this company. Check him out. And I go to your website and everything's completely different, man. Like you've leveled up so much in the past two years that I just had to, I had to pick your brain, man. Like, tell me like, like, like I want to know everything, but tell me what the last two years have been like. Oh, absolutely. Well, well, thanks for, uh, for thinking of us. And yeah, last couple of years have been an absolute whirlwind of craziness and, and growth and just expansion of our team. We've been uh, super, super fortunate to have been able to now work with the most incredible team I've ever seen on an e-commerce side of things that, you know, I've, I've researched and seen a lot of businesses like the ones that you've talked to on the show. And it's a real honor to, to have some of the, the talent that we have on our team now. So I can't take all the credit for leveling up. It's absolutely a team effort. And you're right. The last few years we've grown. I mean, we've almost doubled our staff. We're now in a warehouse that we're fulfilling on our own. And uh, yeah, we have like 35 team members now and it's just been a wild ride. So I want to go back to when we were hanging out and my memory's not as sharp as it used to be, but I felt like you, you were doing this road trip and you were trying to figure out where you wanted to settle and you swung by Austin. I was giving you the Austin pitch and I felt like <laughs> your, your business at the time, you only had a couple of products and kind of a basic website and I don't even remember you having that big of a team. I felt like it was only you and your wife and a couple more people. Yeah, pretty much. You did a great job selling us on Austin. We absolutely loved Austin. We, we love your office, by the way. But we didn't end up settling there. But I think it just had to do more with the heat in the summer. But uh, we absolutely love Austin. We hope to, to come back and, and say hi sometime soon once uh, all the COVID stuff's behind us. But yeah, back then, I think it was just Michelle, my, my co-founder and co-CEO, my wife. You know, we, we do everything uh, kind of together since we started out of our garage in Florida. And then um, I think when we met you, we had maybe seven people on our team at the time, mostly marketing related, social media related and customer service. We were at that time fulfilling in a 3PL, which which enabled us to do the road trip. Prior to that, we were fulfilling everything out of our garage. And as I'm sure many of your listeners know, when you when you start off and you're kind of doing the garage thing, it's just it's all consuming. And, uh, you know, 25 hours a day, you're, you're in there fulfilling and dealing with customer service and all that. And having a 3PL really freed us up to be able to focus more on the customer service, product development, marketing, and just growing companies. So yeah, back then it was a kind of a skeleton team and we were trying to figure out where we wanted to settle down. We had been in Florida for a couple of years at that point, which we did enjoy, but like with Austin, the heat was a little much for us. So um, we got an RV and 
we were lucky enough to be able to work from the road and we traveled around uh, the southern U.S. and worked our way west and eventually we settled down in, in Utah, which really is a great combination of desert, but trees and lakes and mountains and the entrepreneurial spirit here is just unbelievable. So uh, we've been lucky to find a place that feels like home and we've been here for about a year and a half now. It's been great. Yeah, it sounds really easy. You go from seven employees to 35 employees. That's 5X, your staff, in just a couple of years. What was the big driver behind that? Yeah, well, for us, it was the growth. And I wouldn't say it was easy necessarily. I know we make it sound that way, but certainly, as I'm sure most of your listeners know, it's not easy to grow a team five times in just a couple of years. It's, it's been challenging, you know, finding the right people at the right time. And, and of course, nowadays, it wasn't as much of a thing when we started, but but nowadays, of course, you have a lot of the remote culture. Thankfully, we kind of started that way. We built a business with kind of a remote team in mind, which, you know, in Florida, we kind of had people that we had hired from all over. We had team members in California and Massachusetts. So thankfully, once COVID hit, that wasn't a foreign idea to us, and we were able to kind of roll with it. But yeah, it was mostly fueled by our growth. So we've, we've been lucky enough to be able to double pretty much year over year. And, and with that comes, you know, greater need for more staff. So now now in Utah, we have a warehouse. So we have our own fulfillment team. And so that was a big factor in, in growth. As we get more orders, we have to be able to fulfill them, uh, process exchanges, returns, things like that. And then our customer service team is also here in Utah. And so I think that's eight or nine folks right now. And, and with more orders comes more emails and phone calls and text messages and Facebook messages and, and all, all that sort of stuff. So that's really what's driving it. And we've also expanded our marketing team to include some videographers, editors, uh, creative directors, and, and things like that. What was the drive to bring in your 3PL back in-house? You know, we were finding, we had a wonderful 3PL. They were called Ships a Lot. They're in Memphis. And they were just fantastic. We loved working with them. And we still have a great relationship with them. What we found, though, is that a, at a certain time, it just, as you're scaling, it doesn't always make sense. I think you know, we were doing a couple thousand orders at that time. And as, as we began to, to double that, it kind of just made sense from a cost savings perspective to bring it in-house because, you know, then you can have employees that you're paying on an hourly basis to process all those orders and get them out the door. And then they can also do other things like, you know, manage our fulfillment supplies and, and things like that. We have a lot more space in the warehouse. It just, uh, it starts to make more sense from a financial standpoint once you hit a certain level. Yeah. So it's just improving the PNL optimization. Yep. Exactly. Are there a lot of returns and exchanges that you're dealing with with this product? Yeah, you know, so we sell wedding rings, and uh, I think specifically we sell men's wedding rings. And I, I don't know about yourself, but when I when it was time for me to get a wedding band, you know, I hadn't worn a bunch of jewelry prior to that, and I had no idea what my ring size was. So I, I think most of our customers are kind of the same way. You know, we see a, an exchange rate of, I'd say, close to 20%, and, you know, it's one out of every five orders comes back for an exchange, which, you know, isn't a huge deal. We can process it right away. But guys just don't know their size. <laughs> so it's something that we're constantly struggling with, trying to, to get that exchange rate down. A couple things that I find really interesting with your, your business model is, one, I want to talk about product because over the past two years, you've blown up. Like I go to your website now and you've got to have hundreds of SKUs. I mean, if not upwards of a thousand SKUs. Mm -hmm. The rings that you guys produce are rings that I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And now now I'm not like a, a wedding man connoisseur by any means. I got married 13 years ago, 14 years ago, so I haven't had the need. But it's not just like a solid gold ring. You guys have like antler, you guys have meteorite, you guys have wood. I mean, like, how are you guys developing these products? And then how do you manage all that? 
No, that's a great question. And, you know, it's one of the things when we started the company, we, we really wanted to be different. And we knew that we were going to be going up against the likes of, you know, traditional jewelry stores. And I think at the time, it was far less common for men to buy their wedding rings online. And, you know, it still carries some risk for the super expensive rings. I think our tolerance for buying expensive things online has, you know, gone up a little bit, like we're getting more and more comfortable with it. But at the time, it really wasn't wasn't so much the case. People wanted to go into a jewelry store. They wanted to try it on. They wanted to check it out. And, you know, one way to stand out in that respect is to create stuff that, you know, they couldn't see in a jewelry store. Like They had no choice except to perhaps get it online from us. And so we tried to develop products that, you know, we, we call them like showstopper products, things that people would be like, hey, wait a minute, you have dinosaur bone? Like, that's crazy. Are you a meteorite? That's nuts. And so, you know, we work really hard. Uh, Michelle, my wife and co-founder, like, she's great about developing products. And so she sits with her team and they put out surveys to our customers and we, you know, try to understand what, what they want and, and also kind of try to create something that's really unique and, and different. So they sit down and oftentimes we have a whole team weigh in on it and we just develop these rings that really kind of are stuff that we would want. And we've been fortunate that's helped us kind of distinguish ourselves from the independent jewelry stores and the K's and the Jared's and the Zales. And so we can kind of capitalize on that uniqueness and provide a product that folks really couldn't get anywhere else and that they can get excited about. Yeah. Are, are you guys producing all that in-house as well? Or do you work with craftsmen or? Yeah, a little bit of both. So we, so if you go to our website right now, you'll see about about 80% of the rings on there. We manufacture here in the USA, either in-house or with partners here in the U.S. And then about 20%, we uh, we work with other designers from from all over the world to kind of source. But we're always trying to find really great artisans and craftsmen that are working with really cool materials, you know, like guitar strings and you know, and, and baseball bat wood. Or you know, we just launched a partnership with Jack Daniels, so we're actually licensing Jack Daniels and we're buying whiskey barrels directly from them and they send them out to us and we break the barrels apart and we make rings out of that. So, you know, we're just doing whatever we can to kind of stand out and be different from everybody else. Yeah. I mean, it's quite innovative. Are you finding that those type of collaborations with Jack Daniels performs well? Yeah. For us, it's been great. You know, we had whiskey barrel, just kind of generic whiskey barrel for a couple of years now. And you know, once we brought on the Jack Daniels name and, you know, we're able to say that we're, you know, the only officially licensed ring maker in the country, you know, that's doing Jack Daniels, uh, our sales actually doubled on those particular rings. So I think being able to do a partnership has been hugely valuable for us. I think about wedding bands and when I got my wedding band, of course, like the, the first thing you do is you show it off to your buddies. Mm-hmm. I would imagine the word of mouth with your company is, is kind of through the roof, but how else have you guys been able to scale up and grow? Yeah. So, you know, most of our, you know, traditional digital spend since we started back in 2016 has been, you know, on Facebook and Google. I think the listeners probably, that's probably pretty common. Once we've kind of hit the level that we're at, what we're finding is, you know, to get those CPMs down and CPAs down, it's just something where you have to diversify more. So we're exploring all sorts of other channels now. So we're looking at the outdoor space, you know, billboards and like bus stop signs and, you know, just uh, subway signs, things like that, as well as podcasts like this and also uh, getting on traditional radio and, and television. Actually, this year we've really doubled down on television and, you know, it's, it's a significant, I'd say probably close to 15% of our overall ad spend this year will be for TV. So it's the kind of thing where we want to hit people from a different direction and not necessarily be mixed in where everybody's advertising. And, and so far, we've actually seen our CPM costs go down for general traffic to the site. And I think it's because we're kind of mixing these less popular, perhaps more expensive in, in the short term, but overall it's reducing our, our traffic costs. 
Yeah. So I've never even dipped my toe into TV. How did you decide to go that route and how are you able to measure that? Do you feel pretty confident with the attribution? Uh, well, <laughs> that's a great question. But, you know, you inspired me, Eric. I, I see you on TV all the time on the ship station ads. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I see it, I yell, Michelle, look, Eric's on TV, which, you know, I know is for ship station, but I think we got to get Beard Grant on television. Yeah, I agree, man. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting process. So we are always trying to innovate the way we do marketing. So, you know, I'm sure you get hit up all the time from sales folks, you know, trying to sell you the latest and greatest product. And, you know, we, we try to make time for most of the folks that come to us, you know, with different products. And we just try to understand the landscape. And I think, at least for us, you know, it's super important that we're always learning and we're always growing and innovating in, in any way we can. So we like to look at all sorts of different technology as it comes out, just so we can kind of try to stay ahead a little bit of our competitors. So we had a, um, a couple of folks come to us back in uh, last summer sometime. And they were talking about television. And we're like, oh, that's way too expensive. There's there's no way. But, you know, we got to talk to them. And it turns out, it while it is expensive, it wasn't as expensive as we thought. And we were actually able to kind of make it work with our budget. So we had already shot a commercial. So, I mean, that's really the biggest expense. So we had that kind of in the can and ready to go. And so we just wanted to give it a shot and innovate with it. So we tested it in September and October. And, and then we really launched it in January. So, so far, it's been been pretty good. Let's talk more about that commercial. I assume that's the one with the, the bride whose sleeves get longer mm -hmm. with each cut. That's, <laughs> I'm so glad you noticed that. Not everybody sees that. That's very subtle. <laughs> but yes, that, that's the one. I wouldn't have noticed it unless it wasn't for a YouTube uh, commenter who pointed it out. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a great commercial because when we were talking, I'm such a serious guy. You know, I talked about like the sanctity of marriage and, you know, building this commitment and how your wedding ring should be so important. And then you go and you do this ad with the Harmon Brothers, right? It wasn't the Harmon Brothers, but we, we did meet with the Harmon Brothers and they are fantastic and super creative folks. They've done some amazing campaigns over the years. We actually, we met with them once, but just in the short week after meeting with them, we met with another production company that we connected to a little bit better. Jay Davis is the owner and it's with uh, creatively.com and they were just fantastic. They were able to jump on production. We, we started like the day after we met with them in terms of writing the script and they're just phenomenal to work with. Share the deeds, man. Did that, that commercial kill for you? I mean, like, <laughs> or were there a lot of learning lessons with it? You know, we, we learned a lot. It was definitely a learning process. You know, we've done two commercials now with Creatively and I think both have been incredible experiences where We've learned so much about the commercial world. You know, Michelle and I, we, we come from a Los Angeles background. We were in the entertainment industry. We produced this kind of stuff before. But let me tell you, doing a full-blown, like, creative commercial for a D2C brand is very different from what we did in Los Angeles. And even though it was just a couple of days, it's pretty expensive. So that was, that was the first thing we learned. Definitely takes a lot of people to make it perfect. And, you know, they did a great job trying to keep the cost down and, and the product ended up being great. But that was a big learning curve right there, just the cost. And then, you know, the whole the whole post-production process was, you know, it's a pretty long one. It takes a lot of time to go back and forth with the different iterations, the different jokes, things like that. But in the end, it was really great. I mean, you know, working with a team like Creatively, and I think the Harmon Brothers and other production companies follow the same process. The idea is you're going to meet, you know, it's going to be a three to six month process. In, in our case, we met, we had a little retreat where we went out and we kind of fleshed out a bunch of ideas. They had some amazing writers on staff that were able to sit with us over those couple of days at the retreat and come up with a number of concepts. They worked with us to kind of refine those into a number of scripts. And then as a team, we all sat down and kind of picked the script 
that we thought would, you know, would really have legs and be the ones we wanted to produce. So that was great. And then once we decided on the script, well, then it became about kind of the, the producing of it. So, okay, locations, do we do it in a studio? Casting, which was a big deal. You know, let's figure out who's going to be the base of these characters. And then the exciting part is shooting it. So, you know, there was, I want to say we shot for like a week. And we did three or four different commercials that all were kind of shot in the same four or five days. So it was exciting. And then it took a month or two to kind of edit it, get everything finalized. And then um, we ultimately launched, I think, about six months after we started. They're just a production house. They're not doing any ad buy for you? They did in the beginning. Yeah, we actually had them do some ad buying for us because, you know, they're the experts when it comes to these kind of C2C viral videos. You know, I think they got us like seven or eight million views out the gate the first week. I mean, they were really excellent in pushing it. You know, we ended up bringing the advertising of the videos in-house only because we were already paying an agency. So it didn't really make sense to, to have them do it as well. But but they definitely knew what they were doing and did a great job. But once you brought it in-house, it did just as well. Do you feel like you got your return on investment? I've got to imagine just hearing this, like a week of production, you know, multiple writers. This has got to cost like twenty five dollars to $50,000 to produce. Is that in that range or even higher? Jeez. No. <laughs> I laugh. It's actually a lot more than that. <laughs> oh my god it's probably close to 10 times more than that but you know the thing of it is is it was worth it because you know we were able to then take that video and you know we've doubled growth year over year and i believe that that video that we got from jay and his team was a massive contributor to us doing that so it was an investment you know i won't lie it did eat up a lot of our cash flow for the year but overall it was worth it and you know, it's the same thing with television advertising for us so far. What we're experiencing, it is, it, it does cut into your cash flow. Like it's expensive, but it's also opened a lot of doors for us. And I think that's an important kind of KPI to look at when you're spending this kind of money and investing in this kind of creative. And, you know, not only do you look at the direct sales, because the sales have been great. It all, it has helped the top of funnel and we've gotten, you know, hundreds of thousands of folks to our, you know, website every month because of it. But it's also about, okay, what kind of stores does it open up? What kind of relationships can you get? How does it help your press strategy? And, and you know, we really double down on the PR, you know, as well. So it actually, when you look at the holistic view of what it has done for the business, it was pretty substantial. So yeah, I definitely believe we got our, our money back for sure. Talk me through that decision making process to go, because I assume that was a pretty big check to write for something where yeah. you had no idea if it was going to work or not. Like, how do you, A, develop the confidence to do it? And then B, I guess, just do it and make sure that it's successful. That you're getting your monies out of it. Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think for us, for the most part, it comes down to, uh, and, and this is kind of how we've been since the beginning. We are a little bit more comfortable in the, you know, quote, taking a risk zone than probably some entrepreneurs. And I think that's because we kind of started as the scrappy, like, go-getter entrepreneurs to begin with. We didn't have any money backing family bands. We kind of bootstrapped the whole thing from day one. We still do. We don't have any venture capital or anything like that. And I think, you know, we've always, because it's our money, been a little more comfortable with taking some risks. And this definitely was a risk. But the payoff would be big in the sense that none of our competitors, you know, in the men's ring space, not counting K's and Jared's and, and those guys, but we don't directly compete with them. They cater more to women than they do men. But uh, in just the men's space, there's no competitors running TV ads. So we were like, all right, this will help us get out in front of that and hopefully provide us a runway for kind of being the first mover in the men's space for a few years. So, you know, let's take the risk. If it does work out, then we get a lot of exposure, a lot of press, and, you know, can really distinguish ourselves from our competition. If it doesn't work out, we'll get a great video that we can use on YouTube and our Facebook ads and 
Instagram ads and we can use that for a bunch of years. So, you know, we kind of looked at the long-term benefits and the short-term benefits and kind of made a slightly educated decision to, to give it a shot. And, you know, thankfully it worked out. It's been great. Yeah. Is that going to be the strategy that you continue to push forward into is going to be, you know, like very highly produced, unique, creative, or do you think there's, you know, more effective ways to use your money in producing this type of content? Well, I think that's a great question. Also, you know, we, uh, we were actually just talking with our team as we were creating our plan and our budget for 2021. And while we have had success doing, you know, a couple of last two years, we've done two major commercials. Like, I think for us in the long term, it might be better to do smaller commercials more frequently. So instead of having one really expensive commercial a year, you know, we're now looking at creating fresh content, you know, every month. And it can't be as expensive as those commercials were. So we have to adjust in an effort to kind of keep ourselves relevant and fresh in front of our audience. So we've really doubled down on creating our own content studio. So in our office now, we have a, like a thousand square foot office studio space where we have lights and backdrops and cameras and all that stuff for the sole purpose of creating fresh content all the time. So our guys, every month they have a script. They're going to be shooting commercials that are, you know, much, much smaller, you know, just four or five people. But I think in our space, we can get away with that. And, you know, they're highly skilled guys anyway. So it's going to look really great. It won't be as grand as what we had done in the past, but I think it'll serve its purpose of creating fresh content. And between that and photos and, and things like that, I think the content creation for us is, like you said, you know, kind of how we distinguish ourselves. So... And building that team out, what kind of investment? You said there's four or five guys and girls. Yeah. Are they entirely dedicated to just creating commercials or is it just like one part of their role? It's one part. Okay. You know, they have four or five folks there and, and their mandate is to create video content, photo content that can be used on all of our channels. So on our emails. Instagram, Facebook, you know, TikTok, every kind of channel we have, we want to repurpose our content so we can get where our customers are. So our goal is to always have like a fresh stream of content that ties people to our brand. What have you found works or doesn't work in hiring the right type of person? I would imagine creative talent is a little more challenging to nail down. How do you know that they can create content that sells essentially? You know, it's hard. In like any position, I think, you know, as we're going through the interview process, by the time we're, we're talking to them, usually we know they're qualified. You know, we've looked at their portfolio. They've done some really amazing stuff. But for me, it's all about, you know, heart and, you know, dedication and commitment to their art and like how passionate they get, you know, when they're talking about using Photoshop or using Adobe After Effects or Premiere, you know, or, or what they're shooting, what camera they're using. Like I, for some reason, and I, I guess it just is, about their personality, like we just kind of get, you get a vibe for who's really into it and who it's just the job for. And so we really, really try to hire people that, you know, eat and live and breathe what they want to do. So like our camera guy loves cameras. Like he loves all the technology. He loves shooting stuff. He's so passionate about the framing and the composition and things like that. Our creative director, I can't get him to take a day off. Like it's a problem. Like, you know, he's working the weekend. He's borrowing the gear to go shoot stuff. And it's the kind of thing where when you have people that are that dedicated and that passionate and that talented, you really can't fail. I mean, there's nothing we haven't thrown at that team where they've come back and 
it's just amazing. Like nothing short of amazing. The entire team's like that. And, you know, we're, we try really hard to continue to hire in that kind of aspect. And it's been great. I mean, everybody from our, our CMO, our president, our entire creative team, the whole team is just a bunch of folks that are just really passionate about their positions. And they just bring a lot of heart to the business. And I think that's why we succeeded like we have. Going back two years ago, three years ago, what are the things that you wish you did earlier that you're kicking yourself now that you didn't start on day one? Good question. I wouldn't say kicking myself, but one thing that I still need to learn how to do better is delegate. That's it's always been a problem. And I think just as a, an entrepreneur, you know, always trying to come up with crazy ideas and making them happen, like I didn't always have faith in other people to have that same passion and that same, you know, commitment to these crazy ideas as I did. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like, hey, I really want to do this, but, you know, only I can do it. I, I have to figure it out. I don't need anybody's help. And I think that's a huge detriment to the entrepreneur because there are so many talented people out there, like I was saying before, that not only, you know, want to participate in the success of, you know, crazy ideas in our case, but they greatly enjoy it. And, you know, it's really something where I think you're better when you have a team, when you surround yourself with a team, especially in our case, like Manly Bands has grown exponentially, not because of Michelle and I. We've grown exponentially because of our team. And I think the sooner folks realize that it's okay to delegate, it's okay to get other people to weigh in on things, bring ideas to the table and and work with you, the faster you can succeed, you know, because you have all these other folks who want to help. And, you know, growing into this team of 35 that we have now, and, you know, we're slated to, to grow to almost 60 at the end of this year. It's like the larger we become, within reason, obviously, it has to be efficient and cost effective and all that. But when the roles are needed and you fill them with talented people, I think the CEOs, I think their lives get a little bit easier because there's a lot more people helping out and it kind of propels you forward. Yeah. Excellent advice. That's a lesson that I think a lot of entrepreneurs need to focus on and and get better at is I think one of the challenges an entrepreneur will have, especially in the early days, is if you make a hire and that talent is not to your standard, not a better talent than you, then you start to kind of believe that only you can do it. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's it's not until you start hiring a team of people around you who are exponentially far superior to your abilities mm-hmm. that you start to realize, you know, really how incompetent you are in the world <laughs> and how amazing some team members are. And, you know, that's a lesson that I can echo as well. It's just taken me a really long time to figure that out. Yeah. Well, where where can people learn more about you or learn more about your brand or follow you? Oh, absolutely. So you can check us out on Instagram at Manly Bands. We're on Facebook. We're on all your major social channels. Um, on Twitter, I go by Jonathan R. And uh, let's see, where else would you want to follow? Manlybands.com, right? <laughs> Manlybands.com, yeah. Even if you have a wedding band, it's it's time for an upgrade. That's true. You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, a lot of folks who have a product that isn't necessarily a one and done type product and they can sell you know more than one item in, in our case it's kind of interesting because you know we hope that most people buy one ring we don't want to be you know wishing for people to get divorced to increase their lifetime value but we do we do definitely recommend folks if they already are married take a look at our site you know it's, it's kind of our goal to encourage people to you know start a collection of wedding rings this is obviously self-serving but i think it's also uh People want to have accessories. I have a number of watches. I have a number of wedding bands. Just kind of depends on uh, what the day brings, you know, what style I want to wear. Yeah, and when you're a guy in your early 20s, you know, your budget might be a little bit Mm -hmm. different 10 years later, 15 years later. So you can start to explore some really unique options. 
Jonathan, man, thanks for having me. Man, you're inspiring. Just hearing you talk makes me want to like get on a horse with a sword and go like stab something or like <laughs> you go to battle or whatever. It's been awesome reconnecting. We we should talk more frequently than every couple of years. Thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. This is great. Thanks guys for listening. Hope you're able to pick up a nugget or two. Cheers. Keep on growing.